Welcome back to another episode of the Off The Dome Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Uh, you know, to start off this show, let me just say, there's been the saying about Twitter trollers recently, and if any of you check my Twitter timeline, you would see one of these guys just trolling me, whether I talk about the Lakers, whether I talk about recently the Odell Beckham um, situation, which I'll discuss with this guy very, very soon. I'm sure it'll be a little bit heated. Uh, he, let's just say he's one of the t- of my, the Twitter trollers to Ojibwa. Uh, he's my guy. At the end of the day, uh, he's is making his podcast debut. He's a die. He's a diehard, diehard, diehard tennis. Uh, Jay Goody, Jordan Goodhart. Um, it's an honor to have you on the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get this going. So when I brought you on today, we were texting about OBJ, and we were having kind of a heated debate text, and you said, mm-hmm. why not do a podcast? I'm like, okay, I welcome anybody on the show to debate. I don't run from anybody. Yeah. This is sort of like yeah. yeah, sort of like a Skip and Shannon undisputed podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, so, I was playing. Uh, I was playing Madden, and then you were texting me, and I just couldn't do both at once. I'm like, I'd rather just talk about it than talk than text. Well, so. you, you're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> so let let's get started about your Tennessee Titans. First of all, um, I'm the I'm a big Derrick Henry fan, and I am so I am devastated for you with this loss because I was thinking you guys turned the tide around. Your defense started to play better. King Henry proved that he was the king of the NFL. I know we debate who the king of the NBA is, but we both don't have any problems on who the king of the NFL is, and that's King Henry. He's out maybe for the regular season, from my understanding. So how do you – so my question is – does this change your expectations on the Tennessee Titans this season? And what do you think of the Adrian Peterson signing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it changes. At the end of the day, I don't think it changes much with the Titans. I think, obviously, we're going to be a different team over the next six to ten weeks while he's out. You know, going to have to step it up in the passing game. Julio's going to have to get out there. Um, it's just a next man, next man up mentality. It's how it's been all year with the team, due to many, many key injuries, many starters being out even last week. And I mean, it's gonna suck for the next six to ten weeks. You know, he's insanely fun to watch. He's, in my opinion, the best player in the NFL. Whether that I think number nine on the Rams is the best player in the league, but keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the Titans are lucky that we had we just kind of are getting through the toughest stretch of the year and then we got a couple Texans games a Jags game it's uh, with the Dolphins the Niners you know it's not going to be as tough the schedule which is nice so with this big of a division lead I don't see much changing in the division while everyone's just kind of hopping on the Colts bandwagon now I don't think I don't see the Titans losing this division unless something catastrophic happens and I mean with the six to ten week timeline I think it'll be probably about eight I mean, the man's built different. If anyone's going to come back quick with this injury, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, he's an absolute freak. He played twenty. He, he had twenty six carries after actually hurting his foot in the first quarter. And uh, yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson. He's he's still he's. I mean, 
if you're going to bring anyone in to quote unquote replace the king, why not bring in one of the best of all time, Adrian Peterson, former 2000 yard rusher, MVP of the league. He has been working his butt off all season, all off season, trying to get on a roster. He's been waiting for the call and his moments here. And he's, he, he wowed the coaching staff in practice, wowed all the players in practice. He's going to bring a juice to this team and, I don't think he's going to be getting 20 to 30 carries like Henry did, but he's going to provide 10 to 15 carries. He's going to he's going to be a big physical runner. He's who Derrick Henry kind of bases his game off of. And then you got a guy like Jeremy McNichols, who's been there all year, who's been catching the ball, who's going to be catching the ball out of backfield still. So as Rabel said, it's going to be a committee, and whoever's producing is going to get the ball. So first of all, I, I I think Adrian Peterson, first of all, to sum this all up, but when we get into this debate, let me just say, number one, I don't think you're going to lose the division because I think Carson Wentz is, is Carson Wentz turns into give it to him Wentz or walk it to him Wentz. I mean, he basically gave you that game last week. So I don't think you have that much to worry about with the Col- with the Colts. I mean, you still lead that division. I don't know by how many games are you up on the division. I would say uh, I believe it was about two, you're up two and a games. Half I mean, because they division. just won Thursday night, so yeah, it's two and, half, two and a half. We also have the tiebreaker; we beat them twice. Right. So, so I don't think you should win. worry about that. But I think you definitely should be worried for the fact that Derrick Henry is your offense. The offense runs through Derrick Henry. As serviceable of a quarterback Ryan Tannehill is, and as amazing of a receiver A.J. Brown is, who's on my fantasy team, I do not love – as better defensively you are this year compared to last year, I'll give you that. Compared to the rest of your schedule, I mean, you have this – you have this – you have the Rams Sunday, which I don't think you'll win. You throw Adrian Peterson into the fire against Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald – no disrespect whatsoever, but his first game back since like late last year, and you're throwing him against that defense this week on a Sunday night game, plug. on a limited week. I, I I don't really love that. I love that. Then you have the Saints week ten. Okay, I think that it's a, a toss up game, but the Saints defense is the number probably the second or third best defense in the league. You saw what they did to Brady last week. The Texans, you'll win. Yeah, the Patriots, I mean, it's a toss-up game. I mean, Belichick wants revenge for what happened two years ago, and they're they're really good. They're better than what their four and four record shows. You have a gimme with the Jaguars, then the Steelers. I mean, T.J. Watt is back, and they are almost looking like a playoff team. So that'll be a toss-up. The Niners are looking a bit better, and then you have two easy matches. I mean, when you look at those games, though. That the Steelers and Niners, that could be right around where Henry comes back. You never know. I mean, that's about where the six to eight week table is. So I don't think so, you're. Ex- I don't think you I, should change your expectations among winning the AFC South. I mean, it's a two team race, and you have a sizable lead over the I second mean, team. The other two teams are playing for mm-hmm. draft pit for the for the first or second pit. Yeah. So I don't think you and should worry about that. The Colts do have a tough that. schedule coming up. The Colts have kind of the heart of their schedule coming up over the next few weeks. So and, I don't uh, think the rest of the year. So. So I don't think you should worry about that. But for a championship-level contention, I mean, if Derrick Henry's not going to be 100% and you're dealing with the Rams and then the Saints coming up and the Patriots coming up around then, then, yeah, I'd be concerned. I mean, you'll still win. I think you'll win one of those games. I don't pick you to win Sunday. I think the Rams will easily win. But I will say this. 
I think that Mike Vrabel is a good coach, enough of a coach to keep you guys afloat. But for championship level, I don't know if I would trust Ryan Tannehill to be that guy unless he has the king. And if the king is not 100%, well, then it'll be an early exit in the playoffs like last year, in my opinion. Hopefully that I'm wrong, yeah. and hopefully that's the case because I like your team. I want to see your team excel because King Henry being back, he's one of my favorite players in the league. But without him, your offense has become one-dimensional, I feel like, and to a point where I do not tr- – and your defense will only have to do so much against these elite teams to a point where I don't know if you'll go far enough, in my opinion from my point of view, you'll win your division. I'm sure. But if you're thinking that you'll be a contender, if Henry uh, is 85 to 90%, you have a shot. If he's like 70 or below, then, then you're cooked in my opinion. I mean, even if he's, let's say not a hundred percent by playoff time, he's maybe 70%, let's say 60 to 80%. He's okay, you look at last below, game. 60% yeah, below. I mean, yeah, you look at last game, he, after the second carry of the game, was on the sideline with his shoe off, came back in, averaged, what, like two yards, 2.5 yards carry. He yeah. was basically non-factor in that game. No. But it's the fact that you have Derrick Henry in the backfield that it just gives that threat to where if you run play action, they're all going to bite. If you have him in the backfield, the defense is going to be worried about him. It doesn't matter if he's averaging two yards carry. Last game, I mean, as much as, you know, People like to just throw dirt on my boy Tannehill's name. He's a oh, hey Tannehill, I think quarterback. He's, a good he's quarterback. been. I mean, if I mean, without Derrick Henry, he's played one game without him with the Titans, and he had 260 yards and three touchdowns with no picks. So, while I mean, it sucks to not have Henry, but I think Tannehill is the guy. I think he's able to make plays. I mean, you give him AJ Brown, who's been fully healthy, finally getting all the snaps, getting getting the ball in his hands. Then you have Julio Jones, who last game sat out because of precautionary reasons, and he said, in quotes, ready to roll. He's said the defense is going to have to worry about him for four quarters. He's not sending out any snaps this game. He's playing. He knows that it's his time. That's why we brought him here. We brought him here for these moments. And I don't know if Jalen Ramsey's going to shadow one of them. The other one's going to be open. I think you got to look both ways. Uh, all we need – I mean, the Rams' defense is letting up four yards a carry. They're not a great run defense four to five yards of carry. And I think Adrian Peterson, as scary as that D-line is with Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and Von Miller, I think AP is ready to take the, take the challenge. I have a question, actually, uh, for fantasy purposes. A.J. Brown is questionable. Do you expect him to play tomorrow? Yeah, I think he's questionable just because he missed the practice or was limited in practice. Cause he missed practice yesterday. He always, yeah, he's, yeah, he's always questionable. He always kind of sits out a day of practice per, during the week. He did that last year. I mean, last year he played on a season-ending injury the whole year. So, like, so I should keep I, him I on my starting I don't see any reason he wouldn't play. Unless he gets food poisoning again from Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> so I should keep him in my starting line. Like yeah, I don't see any reason he should be out. And another thing you said about the defense. I mean, I, I've always wanted to voice my opinion on this defense there. I love this defense. They really turned it around from last year when they had the worst pass rush in the NFL, or one of the worst pass rushes. One of the worst third down defenses. Our secondary was playing horrible. I mean, this year you see Kevin Byard after having one of his worst years last year. He's the highest graded safety according to PFF this year. Back to his All Pro self. He has four picks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He's he's a dog. He's he's a ball hawk. 
mm-hmm. going to get that ball, no matter how he has to do it. Harold Landry, not a big name, but he's quietly second in sacks with eight and a half this year. I don't know exactly the number the Titans had last year in sacks, but it was honestly close to eight and a half. So Harold Landry's almost going to beat our whole team last year. He's second in football in sacks. He's got nine tackles for a loss, a forced fumble. And it really shows the impact that Bud Dupree's had. He's not putting up crazy numbers. I told you when you got him, I said he'd be a difference maker. I told you in the yeah. offseason. Yeah, he gives he gives Harold Landry an easier job on the other side. I mean, last year, Jadavion Clowney barely played, and when he did, he wasn't he wasn't as good as Bud Dupree's been this year. So it's really opened up Harold Landry. And, you know, with all the injuries, it's been just an experimental mentality, and that's going to your rush it's defense is good this year. You're number eight in the league in fewest mm-hmm. yards allowed. Yeah. I mean, the past defense just, we've been banged up in the secondary with Christian Fulton, who's going to remain on the IR for tomorrow night. He was actually the second uh, highest rated corner in single man coverage before getting hurt. Christian Fulton, second year corner. He's been out. Caleb Farley, our rookie corner, out for the year. Uh, so secondary's been banged up, but. You know, I trust him to make plays. Kevin Irons out there hawking the ball. So, yeah. So, let's transition to the team you're playing tomorrow night, the Los Angeles Rams. Now, everyone's made some big news. There's a big news. One of the biggest NFL news this week. This this was a crazy week with so much news. Well, let's get into like – A lot of stuff going on. Let's get into a positive thing for the Los Angeles Rams, the team that I picked – to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, this Von Miller pickup, I feel like, is a big difference maker, and I feel like they are the prohibitive favorite to win the NFC. In your honest opinion, yeah. with this signing, does this make them the clear-cut favorite in in the NFC? Um, before the season, they were my preseason pick to win the NFC, I believe, and I have kind of stuck with that the whole year. They had a horrible game against the Cardinals. But the Cardinals are a team that I think is going to start slowly, not get bad, but get worse. I because, agree. Because you know, Kyler, as the season goes on, gets year. worse because he gets banged up. He's yep. too small to be taking hits. He's not like Josh Allen, who's six five and can take these huge hits. You know, Kyler's ankle's struggling, his, his shoulder. I think they need to get him healthy, maybe even rest my game in the long season. And the Rams, I mean, they've stayed for the most part healthy this year. I mean, they're one of the teams that hasn't had a huge injury other than that Cam Akers injury, but they found a way to get it. Daryl Henderson. He's on my going. fantasy team. He's a stud. Yeah, he's he's been a stud. And Stafford, I mean, he was stuck in Detroit his oh. whole career. People forget Whew. that he was the number one overall pick. He's a stud. And Cooper Cup. He, I mean, he leads all receivers in every Cup. category. Yeah, Cup's going to break some records this year if, uh, if he stays healthy, knock on wood. Uh, and then that defense, I mean, geez, I mean, they can't really, they've struggled stopping the run, but holy cow, they've got Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald on that line. Three guys who are top 20 in pressures in the NFL. So that's that. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, not much you can say about him. He's just going to always lock down their best guy. He's a dog. I am so looking forward to the A.J. Brown and Jalen Ramsey matchup. I don't don't know if Ramsey's going to shadow him, though, because of Julio. I mean, he'll shadow. I'd like to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who uh, if he shadows A.J. or if he kind of guards both and how they do against him and how he does against them and, like, all the trash talk between him and Julio or A.J. or whatever because Jalen likes to. Of course. Talk is trash. 
I think they're the clear-cut favorite to win the NFC. I, I picked them to win the Super Bowl, and this just makes my pick very much not locked, but almost to a point of a lock. If Von Miller could be 70% of what he was, and if this and if this offense can continue to excel, I mean, if this Stafford and Cooper Cup and Woods and Jefferson and the running game with Henderson keeps going, and if their secondary and if their run defense could be a little bit better, then I don't see why they wouldn't win. I would say if I had to make my NFC rankings right now, it'd be Rams, Bucks, and Cowboys, Cardinals, and then Pat. No, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, Packers. If Aaron's how uh, Aaron's, we'll talk about him in a second. <laughs> Cardinals. That's my list. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, the Rams I, are the clear-cut favorite. I don't see any problem where they don't go far. Unless, the only thing I'll say is this. This is Matt Stafford's best chance to win a ring, and this is the farthest he'll probably go this year. So I don't know. Yeah. The I still have a questions about him. Deeper they go, but mm-hmm. I think if their defense – with if Von Miller could still cause havoc, he doesn't have to be that 2015 Denver Denver Von Miller where he won MVP in the Super Bowl. But if he could still wreak havoc, him, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, the corner, then I don't see one no any reason why they wouldn't win the Super Bowl in SoFi. So I think they're the clear cut favorite to win the NFC. Yeah, the NFC. When you look at it, it's they, there's about five teams, and then you have the Saints who unfortunately lost Jameis Winston. And they're, they have a stick defense. If they can keep it up, they can be in that kind of mix. Yeah. But then you have the seventh slot, which is just going to be filled in with a team like the Panthers, Vikings, Niners, Seahawks maybe. like they're, The NFC is very top-heavy. So it's going to be much harder for the Rams to get out of the NFC. Maybe If they're in the AFC, I'd say they were – they would probably be minus odds to make the Super Bowl at this point, but in the NFC, there's five teams that are all, in my opinion, Super Bowl contenders. And you look at the Packers; they might, they're probably going. I mean, they might even win this week. You never know, but they're probably going to lose this week without Rodgers, so they're going to drop from the one seed. Then you have the Cardinals, who play the Rams again this year. I think the Rams win that second matchup. Hard to beat. It, hard to beat a team twice. Rams trending up, uh, and then the Cowboys. No one really. Saw this. I mean, everyone thought they'd be a good team, win the division. I don't think anyone saw them being a six and one team. That's really fine <laughs> I for a Super Bowl. Did it. Their their defense kind of went from the worst, maybe of all. Like they had one of the worst defenses of all time last year. To so a defense that hasn't been top ten this year, but it's been respectable. It's been right in the middle of the pack. They, win, the, they win games on offense. They win games on offense, but their defense yeah. just has to hold up enough to where Dak doesn't have to throw fifty times a game. And that's what's kind of happened. The Bucks, you know, they're still the Bucks. They have Tom Brady. They have that defense that are just full of dogs. They haven't been playing great this year, the defense. But, you know, when it gets cold out and offenses slow down, you want a defense like that with Vita Vea and Levante David, Devin White, and then Sean Murphy bunting in the secondary, all that. And then the Cardinals are – top-rated defense in the league right now, I believe, or one of They're them. number four. If they can keep that up. The with, Bills yeah, are, without, the Bills without the J.J. Defense. Watt, it's going to be a struggle, but they they still have playmakers on offense on both sides of the ball. It's going to be interesting in the NFC. The AFC is kind of wide open. I think the AFC as a whole is better than the NFC, but I think the NFC has a better top five. 
But if you look at the AFC, you're going to have teams like the Browns or Chiefs or maybe even like the Patriots or Chargers, maybe even like miss out in the playoffs. And it's just a bunch of good teams. They're so inconsistent in the AFC. Uh, but kind of everyone's picking the AFC right now seems to be the Bills because I guess everyone loves the Bills. But, I mean, the Titans beat them. And the Bills have kind of had a cakewalk on the schedule. I had, yeah, before the season, I had the Rams and the Browns in the Super Bowl. So I, I will see how Baker does. You know what? I want to talk about this topic right now, actually. Let's get this out of the way. So so we'll segue into the my AFC pick, the Cleveland Browns. Now with, oh, with Odell Beckham Jr. being released. Now, you we were texting before we went on air. And you had some problems with my tweets about praising Baker and trolling Odell Beckham Jr. Not trolling. You were trashing Odell Beckham Jr. And I don't stand for that. I'm not. And you're making me sound like an Odell Beckham Jr. stan or big fan. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't care less about OBJ. He's not like he's not one of my favorite players in the league. He's not. I don't like. MV OBJ. I don't watch his highlights all the time. I can't stand for disrespect. I don't know why Baker's getting love and OBJ's not under it. Okay, so let me explain my more than Baker has. Let me explain my point of view. First of all, I think. First of all, I think that OB Odell's a very talented receiver. I'm not questioning his talent, and he made. And I don't question him as a person. I feel like he's a very nice guy. And I take nothing away from the catch he made against the Cowboys, which which was 2014 on a Sunday night game. I'll give you this. That was the greatest catch I've ever seen. That's probably the greatest catch in NFL history. I take nothing away yeah. from that. And he's had some good years after that. But Baker made – this is why I didn't he's think – right. He didn't just have some good years after that. He had he's some had some great – a few great years. Unbelievable best receiver of the NFL type years. Some, super, some but, Pro Bowl years, some All-Pro years. Which get, which leads to Baker Mayfield. He before, people forget people only focus on the now, but but his rookie year when Ty when they benched Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield was the rookie of the year. He threw like twenty seven touchdowns to thirteen interceptions. So don't say that he's not that he's that he's just not a scrub to anybody. He's a good quarterback. He's not an amazing he's quarterback. He's not in the level of of um, Mahomes or Brady or Rodgers, but I, I, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Let me tell you this about Baker Mayfield, and this is no coincidence. As great as great of a talent as Odell was, Baker loved Odell. He loved him off the field. They were they were friends. Baker was young. He he talked about how much he liked have, loved having OBJ on the team. He force yeah, fed him that. He force fed him the first full year to a point where he tried to force feed him. And the point was his numbers did struggle, not because of Odell. It wasn't all his fault. Their all line that year was banged up. And Baker had four different coordinate coaches, coordinators that year, if I don't remember. So, I mean, he's, so it's not all Odell's fault, but the thing was, it was no coincidence that, that when Odell went out last year, I'm going to knock on wood for Odell. I don't wish injuries upon anybody, but Baker Mayfield during that stretch, he had 20 touchdowns to three interceptions without OBJ. And PFF, you love PFF as well. PFF ranked him during that time frame when they went eight and three without Odell 
as the fourth ranked quarterback behind uh, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. So he can yeah, play. Well. And you saw what happened in the playoffs last year. They won a game in which their head coach had COVID and their O-line was banged up. And they won a road playoff game against the Steelers. And Baker Mayfield had the best QBR. He had a QBR of 91 that game. So Baker Mayfield can play with other receivers. He loves spreading it around, not to just force feed it to Odell. He has guys like like Jarvis Landry, Peoples-Jones, Higgins, Njoku, Hooper. Those are his guys. And when with he doesn't have to rely on Odell because Odell, I feel like, in my point of view, I feel like he values more of the big plays, the highlights, more than he does just – I mean, I don't. this is kind of subtle. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. But there was a mic'd up. I mean, do you watch mic'd up? Yeah, I watch it every week. So there was a mic'd up segment with Nick Chubb and um, Odell. And, Nick, and, Odell at, and Odell said, am I going to score touchdowns? Nick Chubb said, I just want to win. So I feel like Odell values more of the spotlight, more of the receptions, more than he does just, I feel like, winning that game. And I feel like there was one play where Baker threw it right on the money to Odell and he dropped it. So I think psychologically from this year, people say, oh, look at the YouTube video with Baker and Odell. I feel like Baker missed target Odell. My theory was because Baker psychologically knew that him and Odell weren't the best fit. He had to force feed him, and it got to him so to a point. he threw it off target. What? He threw it off target because he didn't think they worked well together. No, he no because I think he he would just he was just nervous about throwing it to Odell. I feel like. And I just feel that Baker Mayfield works better without them. I mean, I told you the numbers last year. There was no coincidence. When Odell went out, Baker played unbelievable. And the Browns were a Chad Henney run away from beating the Chiefs and going to the AFC title game last year. So don't tell me Baker Mayfield. Chad Henney, not Patrick Mahomes. The point was they were this close to making the AFC title game last year. So don't say that Baker Mayfield is the scapegoat for Odell Beckham Jr.'s problems, okay? Odell never wanted to be in Cleveland. Odell is a big city guy. He had a great New York. He belongs better in a big city like Las Vegas. I said that would be the perfect fit for him, in my opinion. He and I think Baker can go. Odell can go on with his thing with the with the Raiders, and Baker could go could go on with his thing in the Browns. So I think this was a divorce that was in the midst, waiting to happen. And I think it's the best side for both parties. And now Baker can go on and prove people wrong. Now the floor yeah, is yours. I mean, I, I don't – I think you might have taken what I've said the wrong way, but I don't – I'm not blaming Baker Mayfield. I don't – I think you have it wrong where you're blaming kind of OBJ. I'm not blaming anyone other than the fact that they just – I agree they did not work together. But I don't think it was because of Odell's mindset. I don't think it was because of Baker's mindset. I think it was because their offense, the way they function, isn't how an Odell Beckham Jr. receiver functions. It's, yeah. a, it's how a Jarvis Landry does, like a like a PPR guy who's going to get receptions, I, I don't know, like who's going to get a lot of receptions, but not mainly beat 
people over the top like OBJ does. And he beats people over the top, and he does it very well. But the Browns' offense, they get the ball off quick. They do play action. They don't have a lot of time for Baker to sit there and then launch it downfield. Baker has a great arm, but he's not a great deep ball thrower. But I agree. I give you that. But they, he did have that deep so arm throw against the Cardinals, that Hail Mary. But go on. Well, I mean, it's, I, yeah, it's a good arm, but like Hail Mary's kind of luck. I, but, I, um, I think if you – I mean, one thing you said is that he had one good catch, and that's kind of made him all of his money. <laughs> that's and not what I said. Has turned him into a diva. Yeah, that's exactly – I mean, I'm not going to read our text, but when you first texted me, something that pissed me off was when you said – I he feel got like he one does... catch that got him famous and got him a lot of money, and that was the worst thing. That You're sharing our private combo on on. I'm air. not saying it. I'm not saying it, but he he not only had that catch as rookie year, but he also had 90 other catches with 1,300 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He won rookie of the year, and those are all those are all pro numbers that you're putting up a receiver. I, I, I just said he's a talented the Giants receiver. With Eli Manning. I've said he's a talented but, receiver. But, yeah, but then you but. You also said he didn't have. You said he had a couple good years, couple solid. Oh, in his rookie year, he only played twelve games. So yeah, average over a hundred yards a game. So he's not just a one catch, big play, touchdown guy. I just said. And the next year, he had his most catches. He's a very good receiver. Thirteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns. The point is, it's not anyone's fault. It's not Baker's fault. It's not OBJ's fault. It's. They just didn't. It's the honestly the Browns front office's fault for bringing in Odell and thinking that that that. would make and that. Thinking that that would propel Baker to a Pro Bowl level quarterback, an All Pro quarterback, their team to a Super Bowl, all that. When, frankly, receivers, especially like Odell, how you like to call him a diva, I like to just kind of say it's just a big name, it's a big brand, it's Odell Beckham Jr. You're bringing him in to a young quarterback that's tough. He never wanted to be in Cleveland. But also to the receiver, it's tough. It's not. I mean, yeah, you're saying you never want to be there. I mean, yeah, he didn't ask to get traded. The Giants traded him. It's not like he signed with the Browns. And it's not like he didn't try. You're acting like he went there. I and never just said didn't he didn't care. try. All right, but you're saying he didn't care about winning. He he. I feel like from that, that he only cared ups, about the touchdowns. I feel like he. Well, he did ask his way out of the Giants that last year. He you saw what he did on the sidelines where he kicked that um, that field goal thing. What, what do you call it? The, like the field goal practice net. Uh, you saw what he goal. did. Yeah, the practice net. I mean. He kicks that net. I mean, there's multiple reports of him wanting out of New York. I mean, he didn't know that he had a great New York. He was the toast of that town. He was like the big name guy. Yeah. He's and guess what? He wanted to win. And they weren't winning him in New York. They had one playoff game that they lost. Yeah, he went to Miami before bad. and he was sunbathing and he was That was I'm not, I'm not here to defend that, I'm just saying. I mean, he dropped he many is. passes and I, I could go through the fact that I watched some games this year against the Chargers. Odell had some open catches, but he dropped that. And last year, you saw the fi- yeah, I, one the, you saw the final possession, the Brown Steelers game last week. You you watched that? Yeah, Baker Mayfield that was, not was playing over the middle for, of the field. Baker, over the middle of the field, the one off his hand. Not that one. That was a throw that Baker put him in to die. Baker threw that ball. He could have caught that ball. Near the end zone. Odell could have caught that ball. Odell Beckham Jr. was – that was a Vontez perfect hit to Antonio Brown away from Odell being He could have caught that ball. He was scared of contact. He's not scared of contact. Baker threw that ball. Maybe he really does hate OBJ because he threw that ball with – You think Baker hates Odell? Odell Oh, my God. Wow! Wait, no, no, that was a joke. But he oh my god! Into into a 
window where there was three people there ready to He caught a cock that ball. He could have gone up. I see him what he does. He's a magician. He did like go up. Like the pregame with the one handed. He almost made that crazy catch. He almost made that catch. He backed away he last minute. throw that ball. That's like that's like Kirk Cousins dumping off to his running back with a linebacker waiting to just feast on a huge hit. That's what he did. He threw it across the middle of the field where there was a safety or a corner or defensive back screeching in while there was already one behind him and one over the top. That was a ball that should have never been thrown. Maybe he did force feed him, but that was just one of the that was one of the scariest throws that you could expect as a receiver. I think Odo was honestly scared. When he went up to get that ball, you don't think he could have caught it? He could have. I don't think you expect him to catch that. I don't think you blame it on him. No. Well, I'm I think not going to blame him on that. Throw. I, I don't. I don't think it's a smart throw. I think there's probably something else open because there's three guys on him, ready to. But the thing him. about the thing about he was about to get Vontez perfect. The thing about Odell is, I, I think he's a talented receiver, and I think he. I'll give him this. I think he's a top. Five to seven receiver in the game. I, I I respect him, the player. I have nothing against him as a player, and I think off the field he's a good guy. But I feel like how he went about it from the sidelines, what he did with Freddie Kitchens two years ago, and from what he said in the locker room and all that sort of stuff, I feel like he gets too. What did he say in the locker room? Well, no, nothing. Like he said some post game interviews, like that that were that he was very moody. And I just feel like to a point where I just never thought he was the right fit there. Like, I, I'll give you this. I do feel like Baker works for his style of play. He does not need a deep threat like Odell. He works better with Jarvis, Peoples, Jones, and Higgins. You can agree with me on that one. And he works better yeah, when he when I he don't think it's OBJ's fault. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but Baker has to force feed him. He loves Odell to a fault. Where I mean, if he's gonna for, if he's force feeding him, then how come I have a how come there's a, literally a ten minute video on YouTube, which could definitely be longer. It's not like he watched every single game and watched every single play, but he found ten minutes of stuff that he knew was there and put out a video of how why it was honestly shocking me. I had known kind of that OVJ wasn't getting the ball and targeted as much, and there was no way he was just not open. Then I watched that, and wow, he's absolutely wide open every time. He's not force-feeding the ball anymore. It's And there was one play against the Vikings in a game where they won 14-7. They were up 14-7 at the time looking to put the game away. Odell had beat his guy by probably five yards at this point, and Baker threw it behind him, and it was incomplete. Baker could not have missed him more. Like He missed him to the point where OBJ couldn't even turn around and get the ball. The thing is about Baker, like he has a – you said Odell is a deep ball threat. He is a great deep ball threat when healthy. I'll give you that. But Baker does not work throwing the deep ball. He works on crossing routes with Jarvis. He works on play action with that. And he has that sort of system. You saw what he does. And he does not work with a deep ball throw with Odell. And so Baker, it's not Odell's fault. Ba- well, I mean, Baker Odell did- can't throw the ball to himself. So it's Baker's fault because he can't throw the deep ball. Or is it because well, I mean, their he, offense is a He was so used to playing in a very comfortable way without Odell last year. That when Odell came back, which was week three against the Bears, he had to readjust. And the fact of the matter is, he got, uh, he got, the fact was, he just wasn't like, 
he just struggled to throw a deep ball down the field. I'm not saying it's all Odell's fault, but Baker loves Odell to a point where he wanted to force feed him. And with the times where he did, he, they were just off target. They didn't have enough reps together because you saw Odell was rehabbing this year with a knee injury. And I feel like maybe if they had more practice time, maybe they could have gotten along better on the field. I think they like each other off the field. I don't think Baker hates Odell. I don't think Odell hates Baker. I just feel like they just never were the right fit to click, in my opinion. And I think it's best for both parties that they're parting ways. I mean, what you said, one thing you said is that you said he force feeds them to the point where he's throwing them balls like that one where he was triple teamed where they're not smart throws and they're not good throws and he's off target on his throws. But then you're also agreeing with the fact that Odell's wide open a lot. Well, I and mean, Baker's when just he was not wide meant o- for that type of throw when he's that wide open. He Baker was just not so used to having he, a so back. I think I think what you're saying is honestly justifying the point that I'm not even trying to make, but it is. You're kind of saying it's Baker's fault because Baker is force feeding him the ball. I don't think Odell, Odell because Beckinger Baker is going loves to Odell and forcing to him to throw fault. the ball, and it's not Odell's fault because that's who that's he is. That's not Odell's fault. Odell, sorry that he's a great receiver. I mean, I would force him the ball. I mean, but, but he, but not, but for Baker's skill I mean, set, in, he worked and, in New York with the aging Eli Manning because Eli was at least a good here. deep ball thrower. Baker is a solid deep ball thrower, but nothing outstanding. Eli could still throw the ball down the field. Baker could is can, like you said, but he's more play action and he works with crossing routes. That's what he That's does. What he he does. does. He works with wide receiver. Wide receiver. Um, uh, he runs up, he runs comes, up back. comes back. He works that he way. Works. He does, and he works a little bit on rollouts, but he doesn't work throwing it deep down the down the field, like you said. So I think for his style of play, Baker tried to be that guy, but he wasn't because he had Odell on his team. That's what happened. And you saw the first full year they were together. Baker was force-feeding him down the field and because he loved Odell. And without Odell, he could just play his game. It's not Odell's fault, the receiver, but that's, he was just there because they were just not the right fit, in my opinion. So I think – also, um, I don't – how do you know that Baker necessarily loves Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean, they could like each other. It could be like – Maybe like good teammates to each other. They could watch in the interviews. In the I mean, you saw the recent could... interview. He said, "We would love to have. O- I would love to have OG- OBJ still on my team." I mean, he loved. So, so do you still? So do you still agree with the fact that the quote unquote anonymous article is true? I mean, like you were saying earlier, do you agree with the anonymous? Do you think the anonymous article is true? I find uh, anonymous NFL... player is is true is right about the fact that. He OBJ was a horrible teammate. He kind of just went through the motions, didn't talk to anyone, didn't do much, didn't care, blah blah. blah. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that's true. I mean, his players have came out and said it's not true. I Anonymous mean, articles have been I'm not shown say, to be not I'm true. Not, I'm not saying that's the general consensus. I mean, there are certain players that love Odell. Jarvis loves Odell. They played together at M- LSU. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people like Odell. Kareem Hunt loves Odell. I think people like Odell, but I mean, when an NFL network, who which is a big brand, you watch that all the time. I watch it all oh, the yeah, time. Yeah, big brands, big brands post fake stuff all the time, or post. I mean, things what, that are wrong all Mike, the time. Mike Garofalo is a very good reporter. You know that, and he's very good on Good Morning Football. I mean, 
I don't see why he would post that just to get clicks, in my honest opinion. I mean, I'm not trying to be naive about it, but NFL Network and these reporters, I think, definitely do talk to players about it. I'm not saying that's – that's. I mean, it's hard not to take that not seriously. I mean, you have to take that into some account. Now, there are two sides to every story – but, I mean, I can't disregard the fact that it came from NFL Network, a very distinguished reporter. Now, if it came from, like, a weird – from a small brand, from a small brand, like from FS1 or whatever the case is, like, then maybe I would, I would disregard that. But yeah. it's hard to disregard that. But there's two sides to every I mean, story. I think just from my standpoint – me being a journalistic guy and being a guy that wants to get their information from my point of view, maybe I'm from my naive and, and somewhat standpoint, maybe I do want to take that into account. But I mean, but that's just me though. That's how I'm wired. That's how I am with being doing these podcasts and interviewing people. I mean, it's hard not to disregard that report. I mean, because it's a big brand, and I always want to hear the side of what the reporter has to say. And I don't think he would purposely lie just to get clicks. I mean, he's a very integral reporter for the NFL Network, in my opinion. I mean, you can agree with that. Guys like him, Peter Schrager, and those types of guys, they like to get facts. And Ian Rappaport and those guys. So I'm not going to disregard entirely what what he said. I do. I I don't think. Everybody hated Odell. I think Odell, I said, is a good guy. I think that his heart's in the right place. I mean, it's two sides to every story, of course. But I, from a journalist standpoint, from me, I can't entirely disregard that because there's there's some truth to what reporters put out there, in my opinion. So I could see why you think that was a bit of a clickbait. But just from my standpoint, that's how I'm wired differently. Yeah, it's just also because there's so many throughout the years in the NFL, especially there's been quote unquote anonymous player reports where they say like, oh, an anonymous player said this about coaching staff about this. For example, last year, NFL Network's own Jane Slater uh, reported that multiple Cowboys players who anonymously gave her or gave Jane information that they had lost faith in the coaching staff last year. Well, like, I mean, they well, lost they faith in really the defensive coordinator last year because the defensive coordinator last year was but trash. Jerry, but then Jerry Jones and many other players in the Cowboys organization and people in the Cowboys organization came out and said that's not true. We have a faith in our coaching staff. We have all the faith in the world in them. No, like, no one in our locker room is turning against them when this report made it seem like that. And whether someone in the locker room, a player, anonymously came out and told, uh, told them that this year about Baker – they're about Odell. Whether they said that or not, this article was – he could have been exaggerating it is what I'm saying. He could have exaggerated to the point where he – But that's it like seem how like I'm wired. Because he, he makes it seems like the whole locker room's against him. Maybe that one player just I, kind of okay. didn't like Odell or didn't have a great relationship with Odell. This article makes it seem like Odell was not existing in the locker room, not existing with anyone went through the motions and left and didn't care, and no one really had a connection with them. When these players are coming out and saying, Odell from day one took me under his wing, till now has taken me under his wing, he's been a great teammate, no one said this, Greg Newsom said it, he said nobody said this, that's Cap, uh, 
you said that you think the players were paid off. Say that you think Odo. <laughs> why, why with you the money that he got from his catch, paid him off. <laughs> okay, I was just trolling. Not on the on the record. I was just trolling. I was just trying to get a reaction. I actually don't think that. I look. I that's my honest take. I, I actually don't mean that. But in my honest opinion, I don't think everybody hated Odell. And I think that I think of a report. I don't think everyone hated Odell Beckham Jr. I find that hard to believe. And I'm not Odell obviously tried. I mean, he had a thousand yards his first year at Cleveland. So I mean he did try. He was engaged to a point. But I mean, I can't but again, like I said, from a journalist person I'm trying to be. I try to take into account with what reporters say because, you know, that's just how I'm wired. So, but that's from my point of view. I, yeah. I could I, be no, I, I, I trust reporters and articles and media and all that, but it's just there's so many that come out and are proven to be like, quote unquote, lying, if you want to say that. But, you know, the thing that happened over the offseason when Schefter reported that Aaron Rodgers basically demanded a trade. I mean, he, he kind of. Rodgers came out I and mean, said. That, that, he never told Schefter that. Schefter did not hear that from – Schefter came out himself and said he never heard that from Aaron. He never heard that from Aaron's team. He never heard that from the Packers. He just kind of got that sense that he was going to do that. So he just came out and said it because well, he knew it would well, I mean, gain he, popularity. He, did, he knew he, that it would look great on him. It would look great on ESPN. Well, I mean, and he did He did. He want didn't to have any source. He did want to leave the Packers. He didn't have a source, and Aaron Rodgers didn't want to leave the Packers. He just wanted. He wanted to. If the Packers were going to move on from him, he wanted to know now and wanted to leave now. But Aaron Rodgers never asked the Packers to leave. If he did, he would not be playing right now. I mean, they, it's clear that they, that the front office and him don't like each other. I mean, you. It, it's kind of clear that way. You saw yeah. his. You saw his press conference. That that there is. I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers' press conference. I mean, his first one from training camp, where he where he was mad about certain things that were going on. I mean, that is true. Yeah, yeah, of course he's mad. I mean, they drafted his replacement and the replacement didn't make the roster last year. And then they take the ball out of his hand. They take the ball out of the MVP's hands in the biggest play of the game last year. And the the everyone hates the Packers front office. Fans hate them. The players have never had a good connection with them. The front office in Green Bay is not great. They've gotten very, they've had very good picks with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. But outside of that, those two have kind of carried their franchise throughout the past so, years. So circling back to the OBJ thing, just from because I'm a reporter and I try to take this into account, that's just how I'm wired. Maybe if I wasn't doing these podcasts or maybe if I wasn't a reporter, maybe I would see I would give Odell the benefit of a doubt. But that's just how I am. It just I just wanted to get my understanding yeah. of it. Yeah, I know. I just don't think that that uh, article is credible in any way. And I'll say this for Odell. I wish him the best of luck elsewhere. And getting to Baker one more time here, do you think that Baker can excel without Odell? Because I thought last year he did. I said 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. PFF ranked him number four during that 11-game stretch. I think this is the Browns' time to turn the tide and get back into the chase of the postseason. Do you see Baker excelling now that Odell's not on the Browns anymore? I mean, excelling to a point, I think he's going to play well. I don't think he's going to play necessarily worse because of it, but I don't think he's going to become a top 15 quarterback. No, I, I never I thought. Still, I, I, don't, 
I yeah, I I think he's gonna play better. He's gonna play well. He's gonna play like if they. I mean, that whole team's banged up. I mean, it's not just it's not just like oh Odell's gone now. Baker's gonna play well. I mean, that whole team is injured. Whole team's banged up. Whole whole team's hurt, including Baker. You so gotta Baker give him credit though. Well you gotta give him this though. What, yeah. People give him so much hate, but don't question his toughness. He's playing through a cracked shoulder yeah, and a no. torn labrum. So yeah. if you want to question Baker, like. From his chemistry with Odell, fine. But don't question the man's toughness. I see so much unnecessary Baker Mayfield hate. And people treat him like he's a scapegoat for why Odell's struggling. I mean, yeah, he's not perfect. He could have done better with Odell. I give you that. But don't say he's a scapegoat for why Odell is not doing well. I mean, I feel like he gets too much unnecessary hate. Would you somewhat agree with my take on that? I agree with the fact that, yeah, he's very tough. He's playing through this injury. He's taking all these hits. His whole team's hurt. He's coming back early. He's, like, basically forcing the medical team. He's saying, like, get me in this game. Like, I want to play. I want to do this. I want to do that. But he's just not producing. I, I don't think they're better, that much better off with him playing through this injury than they would be with Case Keenum playing. And that's not a shot at Baker. That's just maybe he's hurt and not playing that well because of it. And I think they're a bit limited with Baker right now because of the injury, and I don't think the coaching staff trusts him. I don't think Stefanski trusts him. Their play calling, whether it's just been bad or they just don't trust Baker, but they had, going back to the Chargers game even, when he wasn't hurt, they had he a played, game-winning he drive. He had a great game. They were, he played they had great a game-winning, game. But Yeah, but they had a game-winning drive, and they were running the ball on second down. They were throwing checkdowns on third and ten. Yeah. They were running it even on third down. They didn't. They weren't throwing the ball downfield. They didn't. Think about even pushing it downfield with Baker. And that's not they didn't all have Baker's any trust fault. in Baker. That's not I, I'm not saying it's Baker's fault. I'm just saying whether it's him or the coaching staff, they don't have trust in him to throw downfield. They don't have trust in him to make plays. They yeah, are he's solely a play action built, they're crossing built on the fact down. that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to carry the team's offense, and Baker's going to do enough and not make mistakes. Baker's not going to be that guy for the Browns. The Browns are going to win the game running the ball, playing defense, and Baker's just going to have to manage the game and not be dumb. I thought he was pretty great against the Steelers in the playoffs last year. Yeah, last year he was great in the playoffs. I'm just saying this year he's been very much not a top – I don't think he's a top 15 quarterback. And that's going to be tough for them going forward. I think that if a he – Top 15 quarterback and try to make the playoffs and be a contender. I think if he makes enough plays, and I think if now that he doesn't have to force feed it to – a guy like OBJ, who's a big route runner guy, who goes, who's a deep threat down the field, he can work best with Jarvis. I mean, you we both agreed last year, his main target was never going to be Odell. It was Jarvis. Jarvis works for what he is, a play action Odell had that guy. Great game against the Cowboys. What? Before getting injured, Odell had one of his better games as a, as a Brown. That was a great game. I give you that. But then Baker Mayfield, when Odell went out with that injury against the Bengals last year, yeah, now, again, played well. Again, Baker. I don't wish injuries on anybody. I knock on wood for Odell because I'm respectful and I wish him the best. You remember during that game, Baker had after starting off 0-5 with an interception, he completed 25 straight passes with five touchdowns since then. So yeah. Baker Mayfield has that potential to be great. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with the fact that he did get better last year after Odell got hurt. But I don't think that's just because Odell was gone. I think he settled into the offense. The team caught stride. The team got much better under Kevin Stefanski than yeah. they were with Freddie Kitchens. They 
their defense played better. They started beating teams. They started getting confidence. Just as a whole, they started playing better. I don't think it was just because Odo went down and Baker became better. I think we'll have to see, obviously, how Baker plays, but I don't. I he obviously still has potential. Just what third, fourth year in the league. He's fourth year in a fourth year in the league. Yeah, fourth year in the league. He's got to hit. He's got to excel at some point. He's hasn't looked great his whole career. It's he hasn't hit the point of being a number one pick. He's looking like a system quarterback. He's looking. He's kind of like looking like Kirk Cousins. It's where he can win with the run game, but he's not gonna. Do anything special? I mean, his rookie and that's year. Not he, what a number one pick is. He was rookie of the year. The rookie year, he played great. Yeah, he played great. He was the rookie of the year. He turned it over a lot, but he's turned that he's turned that down. But he hasn't excelled since his rookie of the year. I mean, I mean, just an example from I mean, my life. I mean, Marcus Mariota in his first two years looked like he was about to be the next best thing in the NFL, and then kind of injuries. That's the reason why he became a Titans fan. That's right. <laughs> Injuries and being banged up and all that just never became who everyone thought he was going to be the MVP candidate. And it's kind of looking the same with Baker. He's he's obviously better than what Mariota was, and he's going to probably be a Brown longer than Mariota was a Titan or Brown longer than Trubisky was a Bear, stuff like that. But I don't think he's anything great. I don't think he's lived up to the one pick one pick hype, and I don't think he has that one pick potential anymore. I think he can be a good quarterback for them, and he could do what they need. He could do serviceable things, but he's not – this is a bad comparison because he's obviously not Patrick Mahomes, but he's not going to make plays out of nothing. I don't think I've ever seen him consistently like make a wow play or make a play when things break down, like when Chubb is out, when Hunt is out. Case Keenum won a game on Thursday night against the Broncos with Dearness Johnson in the backfield. Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield are not – that far off. Baker's better than Case. I think I think they're fine with either of them right now. I think if Baker Mayfield back on wood, I hope this doesn't happen, but I think if he were to go down with an injury, Case Keenum would step in there and keep him the same. I don't think much would change with the Browns if so you Case think, Keenum went in there. So I'm not a I'm not a Baker Mayfield hater. I just don't see why people think he's some great quarterback. I never I, said he was a not great a quarterback. But He's I not a top 15 quarterback, and Case Keenum is this very similar quarterback to him. Case Keenum plays very similar to him. Let They're me about ask the same, height, same amount of athleticism. Same. Do, oh, Baker probably has a better arm, but Case Keenum doesn't make mistakes. Do you think Case Keenum is smart? The team plays well around him. Do you think Case Keenum would have thrown 20 touchdowns to three interceptions when a top five I'm to seven? About this year. I'm talking about this year. I'm talking about last year during that time because Casey Keenan was on the roster last year. If he was in instead of Baker, what do you think he would have had those same type of great numbers that Baker had? Not necessarily, but I don't think their team would have been that much worse. Well, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm a big, I'm still a big believer in Baker. I don't Mayfield. think I don't think Baker really puts their team over the edge. If that makes sense, I think they have. You you know this. That's why you pick them to win the AFC because they're they, they have the best running back in football, in and they have the they have the they, best they have the best roster. They have a top five roster in the NFL, and they're four and four. And whether that's injuries, whether that's OBJ, whether it's the coaching, they have been injured. But what's holding them back from being that good with this good of a roster? We'll see what happens. The, I, I, we didn't, I didn't. I don't think people are saying their their roster was this good because of because.
because of Baker. I never said I, I'm not saying Baker's a top ten to fifteen quarterback. I'm saying he's better than what people <laughs> think he is right now. And I, I think, think he's, he's getting too much hate. I think he's getting being the scapegoat for Odell, in my opinion. I think he's getting too much unnecessary hate. You can at least acknowledge the fact that the hate is, of Baker Mayfield's gotten out of control. I don't think there's a lot of hate. Well, I, I mean, you, obviously, I mean, Colin there's... Coward is a, Colin Coward. If you want to look at him, yes, he's, <laughs> he's a Baker Mayfield hater. He, he hates Baker Mayfield. It's not even like that. I mean, that's you like gotta give level, you gotta but... give my guy Baker this. He did troll him when he went on his show. He did embarrass Baker. No, yeah, no, no, yeah. Baker dominated him on that, but Colin's kind of been right about the fact that Baker hasn't been anything special in the NFL. But well, let's Colin's segue. Also just a hater, but I don't see many people. Let's segue into a topic we will agree on. Um, The biggest sports story in the world, which is uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I mean, sorry, Rodgers, (laughs) who. I don't think we're going to agree on this. No, we're not. What what was that? I don't think we're going to necessarily agree on this. I'm kind of Team Rodgers. So, what was your takeaway from the Aaron Rodgers controversy? And what – go ahead. You said you're kind of Team Rodgers on this. I, I can't wait to get into so, this debate with you on this. Go ahead. I've always been an Aaron Rodgers fan, especially since he's been going on the Pat McAfee show. Got to learn a lot about I'll him. give you this. He's, he Pat McAfee's a stud sports media guy. He's been unbelievable. And that inter, and he's – what he did with Aaron Rodgers before the news, obviously – that was fun what he did with him, and I think Pat McAfee's a really good sports radio host. Continue. Yeah, I think I've gotten to learn, and a lot of people have gotten to learn about Aaron Rodgers and about kind of how the media has portrayed him. I mean, if you go on, if you watch ESPN like first take, if you watch Colin Coward's show, if you watch Skip and Shannon, like, <laughs> like all you see, all you've been able to see for the past few years about Aaron Rodgers has been, oh, he's a bad teammate. He's a diva. He's not like like they portray him and and people kind of gotten to see that on the Pat McAfee show. You know, he comes off as a, a like I'm not gonna say I don't know if I can say it, but he comes off as that, and he's not really that. That's just kind of his personality. But in this regard, the vaccination, I'm just gonna say a bunch of points here. He never said he was vaccinated. It's not his fault that the media never questioned him or gave backup questions on the fact that he said immunization. It's their fault for not knowing what that is and not asking him, wait, but does that mean blah, blah, blah. They kind of just took it as being vaccinated. Uh, The media, he said, he said this, he said that multiple people in the media have known for months that he's been unvaccinated and have held it in and waited for this to happen. He did research on his body and listened to medical experts and focused on himself, his body, because you only have one body. So like one of my favorite quotes, you have one body. Don't like don't mess it up. Like keep your body like healthy, all that. He focused mainly on that. He is literally allergic to an ingredient. His doctor told him he was allergic to an ingredient in the mRNA vaccines. And then the other one was the Johnson and Johnson, which got pulled off for clotting issues at the time that he was choosing up in the vaccination. So there was no other way. He found a way with his doctors to get immunized and he thought that would lead to a vaccination status. It, the NFL didn't listen to him. He has followed protocols. He is, I don't think he is anti-vax. I think he just for himself thinks that he sh- shouldn't get it because he is allergic and 
the Johnson and Johnson has clotting issues and all that. Um, I don't think he should be forced by anyone to get a vaccine. I don't think people should hate on him for not getting a vaccine. And I don't understand the hate. I mean, he's followed protocols. He's done all this. He came out yesterday and said, I never was meaning to say, like the organization, the players, the media, the NFL, they all knew he wasn't vaccinated. But they just didn't care until he got COVID. And the COVID protocols in the NFL, he kind of touched on them yesterday, are horrible. And they're not based on science at all. And he kind of said, you know, you, he can be said, like, he can get vaccinated or he can get tested, test negative, and then go into a room where you have to be negative, have to be vaccinated, have to wear a mask. And he would have to wear a mask just to go to a press conference. And that's kind of the NFL saying, we're going to show the world you're unvaccinated and kind of shame you for it and make everyone know you're not vaccinated. There's no reason you should have to wear a mask on the podium. And that's not me being an anti-masker. I'm just saying there's no reason you should have to wear a mask on the podium. When everyone in there is vaccinated, everyone in there has a mask on. He's neg- he tested negative right before going in there. He wears the mask in the locker room. He wears he stays more than six feet apart away from the media when he's on the podium at the press conference. Uh, he tests every morning at five a.m. He doesn't have to, he doesn't he isn't allowed to leave his hotel. He has to test at five a.m. on game day. Like they're they're tested every day, seven days a week. Aaron Rod- like unvaccinated people are tested, but vaccinated people are only tested every two weeks. Like, why does that make sense? Okay. If you can still get it when you're vaccinated, it just doesn't make sense okay. to him. Then it makes sense to other people. Now, now, my turn. Thank you very much. I hear what you're saying in regards to Aaron Rodgers. I appreciate your 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 conclusion and your details. That's a very I commend you for trying to prevent the case, um, Attorney Goodhart. But in my honest opinion, I feel I feel that Aaron Rodgers. I here's what I did not like in his press conference back in August. You know, he did say some guys on the team are not vaccinated. I mean, he tried to. I mean, he he did say try to throw his teammates under the bus by saying some guys are not vaccinated, so we shouldn't shame them him. for it. I feel like yeah, he kind of the media asked him who was unvaccinated. He didn't want to make anyone like you didn't want to make it seem like it's a bad thing that someone's not vaccinated i mean from my point of view i did feel like he was kind of throwing them under the bus to kind of shift blame to to for the media to cast doubt all over him in my opinion and and, and also with aaron Rodgers, you said that masks are on the podium are you know you shouldn't have to wear a mask on the podium so uh you don't. So you, you think it was fine that Rudy Gobert touched the microphones that day on March 11th? You think it's so? Aaron Rodgers not vaccinated, and there's microphones there, and I, I don't know if I I would have worn a mask. I mean, at least you could have been more open about it to the public, though. In my opinion, like at least Cole Beasley or Carson Wentz. At least they admit they're unvaccinated to the public before this. At least Carson Wentz, you see on the sidelines, he's wearing a mask to protect himself, and he's fist bumping the, the quarterbacks when he goes that's on not the a field. Pro- that's not a protocol. 
you don't have to wear a mask on the sidewalk. But he's unvaccinated, and he's you trying to prevent to unvac- spread. Unvac- you do not. You don't have to wear a mask as an unvaccinated part of the team on the sidewalk. Okay, but I, I feel like he should have at least been you're safe about it. And I did not like the fact that Aaron Rodgers would handshake quarterbacks and give them hugs after when he was when he's unvaccinated. And also, Aaron Rodgers. I also one thing that really boggled me was he apparently said f science i'm gonna go with joe rogan on this one and take that so you trust joe rogan over a doctor like a licensed doctor so you're so you think that's cool he trusted he didn't take joe rogan's advice on the vaccine no i'm on on the covid COVID yes because he had covid he was feeling really sick two days ago and joe rogan has explained on his podcast many times about how he had covid and how he got through it so Aaron Rodgers like, all right, I'm going to call him So you him trust him, like, a guy who's made controversial well, takes on his podcast, I mean, over Rogers a feels, licensed professional. Rogers feels, Rogers feels great right now. Okay. He does not feel sick. So whatever he said either worked or it doesn't matter. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's his life. No one can tell him how he has to live it. Okay. but you can't get mad at him for a decision he made for himself. He's Him going to Joe Rogan isn't affecting anyone. It's not like he went to Joe Rogan. And asked him about the vaccine. He just asked him about how to cope with COVID for the next two weeks because he's going to be alone. Okay. And well, Joe Rogan just told him. So, do you think maybe he should have at least clarified it to the media before uh, the media caused a stir about it? I mean, that he has he did manipulate the media on that end, in my opinion. And I do feel like he should take. He could have put his team at a big risk this week. You know that, right? This virus is far from over. But he, when the media asked, they asked, are you vaccinated? He said, I am immunized. He could have just not, he could, he, maybe he could just like be straightforward. Well, it's not like, a, it's not just a yes or no though. I mean, he didn't know at the time if the NFL was going to consider him vaccinated or not. Because you he could have just said, to the NFL. I'm not vaccinated. You could have just said, I'm he didn't, un- he didn't, he didn't know if he was considered not vaccinated or not at the time. Because the NFL was still under his appeal about being vaccinated if the immunization that he got where he gave a 500 page medical so maybe so why not uh, say that in his original press conference then because they didn't ask about that they just asked if he was he he didn't think he needed to go in about his personal business when they asked him a simple question he gave him a simple answer that's how he is he's not going to give them all the details he was pretty pissed off at the time with the organization and how the media has handled everything well he he you know you you watch his press conferences he's not like a friend to the media. He's not going to, if they're not going to be nice to him in a way, they're not going to treat him with respect. He's just going to answer their questions. He doesn't treat the front office with respect. I mean, he doesn't treat the front office with respect. The front office didn't treat him with respect. Well, I mean, you know what he said? You you remember that article that came out with Matt LaFleur, your former offensive coordinator for the Titans? Um, You remember when they, when they announced him as the head coach, there was a bleach report article that said to with a coach and with the GM said to Aaron Rodgers. They didn't consult him about the hire. They said, "Don't you be the problem." Well, I mean, I'm not. They worked lo- pretty well together. They well, worked pretty well together. They, I meant like, don't you be the problem? Like showing that there was some tension before the hiring. Not, I know Rodgers and the floor get along. I'm talking about Rodgers in the front office. But anyways, so you think okay. it's so? No, I don't. So, I, I don't know. The, the more this is about the vaccination. I don't think. He's but the point is about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, 
I don't choose. I didn't choose to get vaccinated just to because I I wanted to. Like I was obsessed about it. I chose to get vaccinated to put my to keep to make sure that my family's safe, to make sure my friends are safe, and to make sure other people around me are safe. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he. I mean, I. I mean, we all have some reservations about taking the vaccine, but I mean, don't you think, like, for the benefit of your team to prevent, like, sort of like an exposure, like, don't you think, like, he could have put? He's he's allergic to two of the mRNA vaccines. Then why not take the other one? The Johnson and Johnson. Yes. Because at the time that everyone was pretty much getting vaccinated, and he was talking to his medical team. Johnson and Johnson got pulled from shelves because of clotting issues, so it wasn't an option. So well, he didn't have an option, so he went to an immunization option, where he thought it would be considered a vaccine. He thought this immunization shot will do basically what the vaccine's doing because it's an alternative to people who are allergic to the vaccine or have religious beliefs about vaccines or just don't want to get that the shot, so they get this immunization, whatever it is, and that is their form of vaccination and the NFL didn't want to agree with it. So he was considered unvaccinated. So he followed protocols and he got COVID. I mean, many people on his team are vaccinated. That got COVID. Devontae Adams is vaccinated. He got COVID, but Alan Lazard, he's unvaccinated. He didn't get COVID, but because he's unvaccinated, he had contact tracing has to sit out because of it. So do you think, so, so Aaron Rodgers is completely off the hook and should deserve no blame for this. Is that what you're saying? I mean, uh, you can't blame someone for getting a virus. That I'm not blaming for getting the virus. Too. I blame him for the fact that he was not open about it before and putting his team at risk. So you you give him no blame. You're it's saying not, he's completely it's not off not the hook. Job to come out. It's not his job to post on Twitter, post on Instagram that's saying, hey, guys, I didn't get the COVID vaccine. Well, maybe he could have explained it as to reason why. At least Cole Beasley was open about it. At least Carson Wentz was open about it. At least Kyrie Irving in the NBA at least explained his reasoning. Oh, yeah, Kyrie Irving is getting let off the hook. Yeah, they're no, I'm not saying he's off the hook. I don't support Kyrie Irving, but I'm at least saying that at least he was open about it. I don't support what he did, but at least he, he, he tried to make his point. Aaron Rodgers at least could have been more open about it. I, I don't support Kyrie Irving one bit. I mean, he was more open than he had to be. I mean, if he said no, that would, that would just be him saying, oh, I don't know the vaccine. He wouldn't be open about it. Him saying, I'm immunized, actually gives you more details than if you were to say, I was no. Well, don't you think he could have at least... I don't could... think people's medical... I think it's... I don't think people's medical information is the public's... Uh, to the public. It shouldn't All have to be... All he could have just said throat. was, there's an alternative medicine I, that I'm doing, and I hope it to get it approved. He said, he said, he said immunization... It's their fault for not realizing that what that means, and they could have asked follow-ups, and then maybe if they didn't know at the time what it meant, they could have asked them in the week one press conference or the week two press conference after they've gone home and had time to think about it. But it's not his job to explain to the media all that when all they asked him was if he was vaccinated. They did not ask, oh, so you said you're immunized. What does that mean? What did you? Why aren't you actually like fully like vaccinated? Why are you immunized? Why are you well? He didn't get asked that, so he didn't. He didn't explain that. So um, that Halloween party he was at uh, with those guys, where he dressed up as John Wick. I'll give you this: the John Wick costume was pretty cool. Hi, I give you that. But <laughs> he spent months like yeah. the hair for. I think once he gets clears quarantine, he should cut his hair because that looks ridiculous. But anyways, <laughs> do you think 
he's unvaccinated and there was a party. I don't know how many people were at that party. Do you support him going to a party unvaccinated with a good amount of people there? But he had a mask on. He didn't have a mask on at that party. I saw it from the Instagram video. The video of him with the gun? Yes. Well, I, I thought he had a mask on in the video, but I don't know. But they all knew. Everyone at that party knew he was unvaccinated. Well, I feel like, though, that Aaron Rodgers... It, it obviously wasn't against protocols. So if it was against protocols, there would have been something done about it because they would have... The NFL has obviously... Someone part of the NFL has seen that video and known he was at a party like that. So if that was against protocols, that's on the NFL for not enforcing it. If you're the Packers, if you're the protocols. NFL, what do you think is a fair, mod- fair punishment? What? If you're the NFL, let me ask you this. What do you think is a fair punishment? None. None. So you wouldn't find the team for any draft picks or find find Aaron Rodgers money for it? Why would he get fined? For – or find the Green Bay Packers for it. Why would the Packers get fined? For COVID protocol, for like COVID um, exposure with Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. And for getting fined think, for that, the Raiders got fined last I mean, year. Player, I mean, unvaccinated players get get their salary. They don't get their salary from the game, if that helps. Unvaccinated players who have to sit out due to COVID do not get their paycheck for that game. Vaccinated guys do. Fair enough. But I just think that Aaron Rodgers could have been at least clarified it before the media and all of us get, got an overreaction out of it. I think if they asked him a question that made him clarify it, he should have clarified it, but they didn't ask him. They never asked him to clarify it. So and he's a pretty to himself guy. I mean, no one asked no one asked him. No one cared enough to ask him. But the media knew. Aaron Rodgers claims that there's multiple people in the media that have known about it for months and sat on it because they knew that it wouldn't cause as much buzz until something like this happened. So they were able to all pounce on him. And the NFL knew. His players knew. The organization knew. So let me ask you this. Um, no one knows. Segue to the game. What are your expectations of Jordan Love Sunday? Honestly, he's a. I mean, he's obviously a good quarterback. He was drafted. They traded up to draft him in the first round. But there's a lot of question marks. That's pretty much a given. I mean, he didn't make the roster last year as a first-round pick. This year, he's finally on the roster. He's playing one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So it's kind of a good... I mean, it's good. It's a good first game in the sense that it's against the worst defense. A bottom 10 defense in the NFL. But it's also bad because he's going to be on the spotlight. There's going to be so much spotlight on him. He's playing across the field from Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's going to definitely give some nervousness to him. Of course. He's going to be... Yeah, obviously. I mean... It's at Arrowhead, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, we all know Arrowhead's one of the most tough stadiums ever. To yep. yep. I mean, I expect, I don't expect them to win, but I expect him to not look bad. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't expect them to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, but I expect them to not, I don't expect him to turn the ball over a bunch. I think he'll play a good football game he won't make enough plays at the end 
like you're he's you're gonna lose a lot without Aaron obviously you're gonna lose the sense of we're down this much we're down six with two minutes left we're gonna go down and score you're not gonna have that so I think they're gonna get a, I think they're gonna need to get an early lead to win that game I don't think they're gonna win though I think the seven and a half points is very nice but I don't think they're gonna win the game um but. now let's segue to an NBA topic because I had you talk about the Titans. Uh, I, I have to get, I feel like I have to get in this in with you, like how Skip and Shannon do every day on their show. Um, you see okay. what I tweet about every day. Takers. Takers. You want me to kick you off the show now? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, so yeah, we'll, we'll discuss this topic. Um, because this is what I talk about and you guys along with Chuck and Weesh and Pick and Wit and Hades are the team LeBron, Laker LeBron haters on Twitter. And I feel like you guys are that. Um, but in your non-biased opinion, obviously, if you were me, should I be worried about this start that they're having or is this growing pains to expect when you acquire a superstar like Russell Westbrook? I mean, it's growing pains to expect, but it's also something to worry about. So it's kind of both because, I mean, AD, I just want to start off, has been playing unbelievable. Yeah. Shout out to Anthony Davis. If he stays healthy, he's an MVP candidate this year. He's averaging 25, 12, and 3 with a steal and a couple blocks, shooting 50%. He's playing great. I mean, he's he's, he's been the MVP of our team this year. Mm-hmm. And then I think something concerning is obviously that LeBron hasn't stayed healthy. He hasn't been on the court much this year. And when he has been, he's hasn't I mean he's been good. He's been great. But he hasn't been a dominant force like he always used to be. He's averaging twenty five, five and seven, so I mean great numbers. But he's turning over four times a game, shooting lackluster from three about around thirty three, thirty four percent, shooting forty five percent from the field from a guy who doesn't take a lot of outside shots. And then a big concern who this is going to be like Russell Westbrook. He's going to be the guy. I see what you can't tweet turn about it around. Him. I see we got tweet about him all the time. If, if, I see. I if know Russell Westbrook. If Westbrook can't turn it around. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. I knew you would say something like this on the show. I knew it. You guys are not going to be able. You're not, you're not going to be able to turn it around. He's averaging twenty eight and eight. That's such a Westbrook stat line. He's going to average around a triple double, but he's not going to do it efficiently. He's averaging five turnovers a game. That's he's taking care of the bad. ball better recently. Recently, I mean, he had yes, ten turnovers in one moments, game, but also in key moments, he's turning the ball over and missing shots. You can't have that. Forty-four uh, percent from the field, not bad at all, but twenty-six percent from three, and he's shooting them. He's shooting threes. He should not be shooting threes at twenty-six percent like he is. It's not like he's just shooting one a game, two a game. He's shooting multiple he, he made multiple three of six last three. game that's pretty good for his standards three of six from three last yeah game. and it bumped him up to 26 <laughs> percent and he's just he's on defense i don't see why people think he's a good defender i never he's said he was a great defender, defender. when have i ever checked my timeline what have i ever said, I said people i didn't say you i said people i said i see people all the time saying he has the potential to be a great defender which he does but he's not he's never been he doesn't play defense i've watched i watched the other day he literally left Lou Dort wide open at the bottom. I screamed when that happened. I said, what the fuck he, were yeah, you doing? I, I don't understand what he was doing. There was three guys on the ball, even though 
uh, I think it was Avery Bradley who was down the ball, kind of lost his man. There were still three people there to help. Westbrook was the last person who should have been up there helping, and he went up there and left Ludor wide open. Didn't even have a sense of where to get back. The defense, as a team, has been very bad. They're not. They're not as a team gelling together on defense. Defense is a lot about talking. Like from my experience playing basketball, it's a lot about talking, knowing where people are, knowing who has who, knowing who is on the helpline, who's whatever. They don't have that. You watch the game, there's no communication. They're getting confused. They watch a guy go up there three times, keep grabbing his offensive boards, putting them in, and then they all just stand and they're confused. And I mean, they're well, the 24th in total rebounds per game. So they're not rebounding the ball outside of Anthony Davis. I'm shocked by that. They're, I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. know how to explain that. They're one of the biggest teams yeah. in the league. I, 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 yeah, I me being a fan of them, so. I can't defend them on that. I, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. And then they're 26th in points allowed per game. I mean, points allowed isn't everything, but that shows that they're allowing a lot of points. It's not a good defense that they have. They, uh, their offense is fine, though. I mean, they're scoring six month points, six, the six month points in the league. Uh, they, they're not getting to the line. They have no depth outside of four people. I'll give you Matt Lowe. He's averaging. He's been unbelievable for you guys. Kind of resurrected his career with Portland and now continuing it with the Lakers. He's averaging 17 points a game. He's just a pure scorer. Not going to do much passing the ball or rebounding or defensively, but he's averaging 17 points on 50% field goal, 52% from three, which is unbelievable. But then you go from those four people who are averaging 17, 20, 25, and 25. And then you look down the next highest average is six a game. That's not winning basketball. That's not going to win you a championship. Let me, As you like to say last year with the Nets is outside of three people, they don't have anything. This year, the Lakers have nothing outside of those four. Like Their next highest score is Malik Monk at six points a game. I mean, let me, can I, my turn? Okay, um, I hear what you're saying. Half of it I somewhat agree with. The other half, I, I'll get to my stance on it. First of all, I will start with Russell Westbrook. His real name, not the idiotic name that you guys ride Skip Bayless's coattails over. It's been an adjustment. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. It's been an adjustment to make. He's had done some good. And I feel like he works when you don't start when you push eighty to the five and have LeBron on the court, which frees up running room for Russ. I mean, you saw it with Houston, where it where you trade away Capella for Robert Covington, and that re- allowed Russ to attack the rim. And Russell's best when he attacks the rim and looks for other guys in the painted area. So if they do that, and when LeBron comes back, they'll be fine. LeBron's injury history. I'm not worried about him, the player, because on the court, he's still going to be at worst a top five to six player in the league. The thing is, I mean, the older you get, you understand this. I mean, you learn from experience. The older you get, the more your body doesn't heal as quickly. And it happens. I mean, he takes, say what you want, hate on him as you want, but you have to admit he takes great care of his body every year. I mean, he he hasn't had injury history. Right had any injuries until no. the past few years. Right. When, ironically, ironically, when he went to the Lakers, I mean, it was the groin injury, which was a partial tear that he played through his first year at the Lakers. Second year was the, was the year that we won the championship, and they had, and there was a four-and-a-half-month hiatus because of the pandemic, and that made him refreshed. 
Uh, last year, you, you check my, I say this take from time to time about Solomon Hill. You, you check my timeline about that. He did not purposely injure him. But, yes, he injured him, but he did not. But what, okay, we're not getting into that. But, but, but the point was he was hurt, and that then he said afterwards, he, after they were eliminated, the first two months since then he didn't do any basketball activity because it takes a while. It took a while for him for his ankle to be fully healed, and I'm not concerned about this injury in particular, but the injuries, you know, as the years as the year progresses, in my opinion. I mean, if he stays healthy, then I'm confident the Lakers with a healthy roster. If when he has an injury, then and if he's not being going to be at his near peak full powers, then yeah, I will be concerned. Now getting to the team in general, I'll give you the defense has been bad, but you also are missing the fact that three other big rotational guys are out right now which is Kendrick Nunn, who's a very good on-ball defender and who could be a bucket getter when when Russ goes to the bench. And then there's THT on TNT, a guy who I've raved about. He's been he's dealing with a thumb injury right now, and he's getting there to being back. And Trevor Ariza, I know he's old, but he provides veteran leadership and is a good wing defender. Not what he used to be, but he still can produce some size and width and length. So, I mean, you're missing that aspect. Um, I, I'll give uh, – so if those rotational pieces were there and were not hurt or to start the season, maybe things would be a little bit better differently. And, and there's new rotational guys, and it takes a while. And you say that the rotational depth, the defense, is something to worry about. Well, I mean – it's tough to play to the level of competition given the matchups against the Spurs and the Thunder and the Rockets. It's tough to play up to a level of competition. And if you throw them into a good matchup, like maybe there'll be some better communication, maybe better talk. Now there's no excuse I mean, for it, obviously. There's no excuse for losing to the Thunder twice. In the I just game. said there's no excuse for that, but I could see why they haven't been able to be up to that level of competition. And I'll admit – there are some games this year where the Lakers are going to have – there's going to be some nights where the Lakers are just not going to be there mentally on the defensive side of the ball. I understand that, and I accept that. And I think that with the case is of Anthony Davis, it's about health. I mean, I had a source of mine close to me that was close to the team in the bubble said that the reason why he came to camp out of shape, which was the offseason they won the championship, which is the shortest offseason ever for a champion. The reason why he came into camp out of shape was because he was rehabbing from two foot injuries. So, I mean, now he had a full offseason. He's right, and he's in shape. I don't know if he'll play tonight because of sprained thumb, but I know given the fact that people call him what you and everyone else call him on Twitter, which is – I don't a, call him street clothes. No, A. Disney. Oh, hey, Disney, yeah, he's bubble fraud. No, nah, he's not a bubble fraud. He's unreal. But if he stays on the court, he's... Right. And if LeBron if LeBron is on the court, and if it's health, and they have that, and I'm feeling confident, and if the guys lock in defensively, I'll be fine. Now, you say a lack of depth outside of LeBron, AD, Ross, and Mello, I think that lack Kendrick... I think Kendrick Nunn could provide some good depth. Being coming off the bench, I think Taylor Horton Tucker, after approving his sophomore season, could be a big spark when he comes back. 
And I think Wayne Ellington, who's ob- gets more into game shape, um, could be a nice three and D player. And I really think that um, I really think that Dwight still provides physicality and defensive energy. I'm obviously he's not a player. He's averaging like four points and more like three rebounds. Is that because of limited time? But I still think when he he'll make an impact. So I think with Malik Monk, he has been in a shooting slump, but it's the law of averages. He'll bounce back and get better from it. Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Dome podcast. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Uh, you know, to start off this show, let me just say there's been the saying about Twitter trollers recently. And if any of you check my Twitter timeline, you would see one of these guys just trolling me, whether I talk about the Lakers, whether I talk about recently the Odo Beckham um, situation, which I'll discuss with this guy very, very soon. I'm sure it'll be a little bit heated. Uh, let's just say he's one of the t- of my, the Twitter trollers to Ojibwa. Uh, he's my guy at the end of the day. Uh, he's is making his podcast debut. He's a die he's a diehard 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 tennis. Uh, Jay Goody, Jordan Goodhart. Um, it's an honor to have you on the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get this going. So when I brought you I on you. today, we were texting about OBJ, and we were having kind of a heated debate text, and you said, mm-hmm. why not do a podcast? I'm like, okay, I welcome anybody on the show to debate. I don't run from anybody. Yeah. This is sort of like, yeah. yeah, sort of like a Skip and Shannon undisputed podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, so, I was playing. Uh, I was playing Madden, and then you were texting me, and I just couldn't do both at once. I'm like, I'd rather just talk about it than talk. Than talk. Well, so. you're, you're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> so let let's get started about your Tennessee Titans. First of all, um, I'm the I'm a big Derrick Henry fan, and I am so spe- I am devastated for you with this loss because I was thinking you guys turned the tide around. Your defense started to play better. King Henry proved that he was the king of the NFL. I know we debate who the king of the NBA is, but we both don't have any problems on who the king of the NFL is, and that's King Henry. He's out maybe for the regular season, from my understanding. So how do you – so my question is – does this change your expectations on the Tennessee Titans this season? And what do you think of the Adrian Peterson signing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it changes. At the end of the day, I don't think it changes much with the Titans. I think, obviously, we're going to be a different team over the next six to ten weeks while he's out. You know, going to have to step it up in the passing game. Julio's going to have to get out there. Um, it's just a next man, next man up mentality. It's how it's been all year with the team due to many, many key injuries, many starters being out even last week. And I mean, it's going to suck for the next six, 10 weeks. You know, he's insanely fun to watch. He's in my opinion, the best player in the NFL. Whether that I think number nine on the Rams is the best player in the league, but keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I mean, the Titans are lucky that we had we just kind of are getting through the toughest stretch of the year and then we got a couple Texans games a Jags game gets uh, the Dolphins the Niners you know it's not going to be as tough the schedule which is nice so with this big of a division lead I don't see much changing in the division 
while everyone's just kind of hopping on the Colts bandwagon now, I don't think I don't see the Titans losing this division unless something catastrophic happens. And I mean, with the six to ten week timeline, I think it'll be probably about eight. I mean, the man's built different. If anyone's going to come back quick with this injury, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, he's an absolute freak. He played twenty. He, he had twenty six carries after actually hurting his foot in the first quarter. And uh, yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson. He's he's still he's. I mean, if you're going to bring anyone in to quote unquote replace the king. Why not bring in one of the best of all time, Adrian Peterson, former 2,000-yard rusher, MVP of the league. He has been working his butt off all season, all off season, trying to get on a roster. He's been waiting for the call and his moments here, and he's he he wowed the coaching staff in practice, wowed all the players in practice. He's going to bring a juice to this team, and he, I don't think he's going to be getting 20 to 30 carries like Henry did, but... He's going to provide ten to fifteen carries. He's going to he's going to be a big physical runner. He's who Derrick Henry kind of bases his game off of. And then you got a guy like Jeremy McNichols, who's been there all year, who's been catching the ball, who's going to be catching the ball out of backfield still. So as Rabel said, it's going to be a committee, and whoever's producing is going to get the ball. So first of all, I I I think Adrian Peterson. First of all, to sum this all up. But when we get into this debate, let me just say, number one, I don't think you're going to lose the division because I think Carson Wentz is, is – Carson Wentz turns into give it to him Wentz or walk it to him Wentz. I mean he basically gave you that game last week. So I don't think you have that much to worry about with the, Col- with the Colts. I mean you still lead that division. I don't know. By how many games are you up on the division? I would say uh, – I believe it was – about two, you have two and a half. I mean, because they just won Thursday night, so yeah, it's two and a half. Two and but half. We also have the tiebreaker. We beat them twice. Right. So, so I don't think you should one. worry about that. But I think you definitely should be worried for the fact that Derrick Henry is your offense. The offense runs through Derrick Henry. As serviceable of a quarterback Ryan Tannehill is, and as amazing of a receiver A.J. Brown is, who's on my fantasy team, I do not love – Better defensively you are this year compared to last year. I'll give you that. Compared to the rest of your schedule, I mean, you have this. You have this. You have the Rams Sunday, which I don't think you'll win. You throw Adrian Peterson into the fire against Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald. No disrespect whatsoever, but his first game back since like late last year, and you're throwing him against that defense this week on a Sunday night game. On a limited week, I, I I don't really love that. I love that. Then you have the Saints week 10. Okay, I think that it's a, a toss-up game, but the Saints defense is the number, probably the second or third best defense in the league. You saw what they did to Brady last week. The Texans, you'll win. Yeah, the Patriots, I mean, it's a toss-up game. I mean, Belichick wants revenge for what happened two years ago, and they're, they're – Really good. They're better than what their four and four record shows. You have a gimme with the Jaguars. Then the Steelers, I mean, TJ Watt is back and they are almost looking like a playoff team. So that'll be a toss up. The Niners are looking a bit better. And then you have two easy matches. And when you look at those games, though, that the Steelers and Niners, that could be right around where Henry comes back. You never know. I mean, that's about where the six to eight week table is. So I don't think you're ex. I don't think you should change your expectations among winning the AFC South. I mean, it's a two-team race, and you have a sizable lead over the second team. 
the other two teams are playing for draft pit for the for the first or second pick. Yeah. So I don't think you and should worry about that. The Colts do have a tough that. schedule coming up. So the Colts have kind of the heart of their schedule coming up over the next few weeks. So I don't the think, rest of the year. So. so I don't think you should worry about that. But for a championship level contention, I mean, if Derrick Henry's not going to be 100% and you're dealing with the Rams and then the Saints coming up and the Patriots coming up around then, then yeah, I'd be concerned. I mean, you'll still win. I think you'll win one of those games. I don't pick you to win Sunday. I think the Rams will easily win. But I will say this. I think that Mike Vrabel is a good coach, enough of a coach to keep you guys afloat. But for championship level, I don't know if I would trust Ryan Tannehill to be that guy unless he has the king. And if the king is not 100%, well, then it will be an early exit in the playoffs like last year, in my opinion. Hopefully that I'm wrong, yeah. and hopefully that's the case because I like your team. I want to see your team excel because King Henry being back, he's one of my favorite players in the league. But without him, your offense has become one-dimensional, I feel like, and to a point where I do not tr- – and your defense will only have to do so much against these elite teams to a point where I don't know if you'll go far enough, in my opinion, from my point of view. You'll win your division, I'm sure, but if you're thinking that you'll be a contender, with- if Henry uh, is 85 to 90%, you have a shot. If he's like 70 or below – then, then you're cooked, in my opinion. I mean, even if he's, let's say, not 100% by playoff time, and he's maybe 70%, let's say, 60 to 80%, he's, okay, you look at last below, game, 60% yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at last game, he, after the second carry of the game, was on the sideline with his shoe off, came back in, averaged, what, like two yards, 2.5 yards carry, he was yeah. basically non-factor in that game. No. But it's the fact that you have Derek Henry in the backfield, that it just gives that threat to where if you run play action, they're all going to bite. If you have them in the backfield, the defense is going to be worried about them. It doesn't matter if he's averaging two yards carry. Last game, I mean, as much as you know, people like to just throw dirt on my boy Tannehill's name. He's a oh, hey Tannehill, I think quarterback. He's, a good he's quarterback. been. I mean, if I mean, without Derrick Henry, he's played one game without him with the Titans, and he had 260 yards and three touchdowns with no picks. So. Well, I mean, it sucks to not have Henry, but I think Tannehill is the guy. I think he's able to make plays. I mean, you give him A.J. Brown, who's been fully healthy, finally getting all the snaps, getting getting the ball in his hands. Then you have Julio Jones, who last game sat out because of precautionary reasons, and he said, in quotes, ready to roll. He's said the defense is going to have to worry about him for four quarters. He's not sending out any snaps this game. He's playing. He knows that it's his time. This is why we brought him here. We brought him here for these moments. And I don't know if Jalen Ramsey's going to shadow one of them. The other one's going to be open. I think you got to look both ways. Uh, all we need – I mean, the Rams' defense is letting up four yards a carry. They're not a great run defense. Four to five yards a carry. And I think Adrian Peterson, as scary as that D-line is with Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and Von Miller, I think AP is ready to take the, take the challenge. I have a question, actually, uh, for fantasy purposes. A.J. Brown is questionable. Do you expect him to play tomorrow? Yeah, I think he's questionable just because he missed the practice or was limited in practice. Cause he missed practice make, yesterday. He always, yeah, he's yeah, he's always questionable. He always kind of sits out a day of practice per, during the week. He did that last year. I mean, last year he played on a season-ending injury the whole year. So, so I, I should I, keep I, him I on my starting I don't see any reason he want to play. 
unless he gets food poisoning again from Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> so I should keep him in my starting so line. Yeah, I don't see any reason you should be out. And another thing you said about the defense, I mean, I, I've always wanted to voice my opinion on this defense there. I love this defense. They really turned it around from last year when they had the worst pass rush in the NFL, or one of the worst pass rushes, one of the worst third down defenses. Our secondary was playing horrible. I mean, this year, you see Kevin Byard after having one of his worst years last year. He's the highest graded safety, according to PFF, this year. Back to his all-pro self. He has four picks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He's he's a dog. He's, he's a ball hawk. He's mm-hmm. going to get that ball no matter how he has to do it. Harold Landry, not a big name, but he's quietly second in sacks with eight and a half this year. I don't know exactly the number the Titans had last year in sacks, but it was honestly close to eight and a half, so... Harold Landry's almost going to beat our whole team last year. He's second in football and stacks. He's got nine tackles for a loss, a forced fumble. And it really shows the impact that Bud Dupree's had. He's not putting up crazy numbers. I told you when you got him, the I said he'd be a difference maker. I told you in the yeah. offseason. Yeah. He gives he gives Harold Landry an easier job on the other side. I mean, last year, Jadavion Van Clowney barely played. And when he did, he wasn't, he wasn't as good as Bud Dupree's been this year. So it's really opened up Harold Landry and, you know, with all the injuries, it's been just an X-Men up mentality, and that's going to... Your rush defense is good this year. You're number eight in the league and fewest mm-hmm. yards allowed. Yeah, I mean, the past defense just, we've been banged up in the secondary with Christian Fulton, who's going to remain on the IR for tomorrow night. He was actually the second uh, highest rated corner in single-man coverage before getting hurt. Christian Fulton's second-year corner, he's been out. Caleb Farley, our rookie corner, out for the year. Uh, so secondary's been banged up, but you know I trust him to make plays. Kevin Irons out there hawking the ball, so yeah. So let's transition to the team you're playing tomorrow night, the Los Angeles Rams. Now everyone's made some big news. There's a big news, one of the biggest NFL news this week. This this was a crazy week with so much news. But let's get into like a lot of stuff going on. But let's get into a positive thing for the Los Angeles Rams, the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, this Von Miller pickup, I feel like, is a big difference maker, and I feel like they are the prohibitive favorite to win the NFC. In your honest opinion, with this signing. Does this make them the clear-cut favorite in in the NFC? Um, before the season, they were my preseason pick to win the NFC, I believe. And I have kind of stuck with that the whole year. They had a horrible game against the Cardinals. But the Cardinals are a team that I think is going to start slowly, not get bad, but get worse. I because, agree. Because you know, Kyler, as the season goes on, gets year. worse because he gets banged up. He's yep. too small to be taking hits. He's not like Josh Allen, who's six five and can take these huge hits. You know, Kyler's ankle's struggling, his his shoulder. I think they need to get him healthy, maybe even rest the game in the long season. And the Rams, I mean, they've stayed for the most part healthy this year. I mean, they're one of the teams that hasn't had a huge injury other than that Cam Akers injury, but they've found a way to – Daryl Henderson. He's on my going. fantasy team. He's a stud. Yeah, he's he's been a stud. And Stafford, I mean, he was stuck in Detroit his oh. whole career. People forget Oof. that he was the number one overall pick. He's a stud. And Cooper Cup. He, I mean, he leads all receivers in every Cup. category. Yeah, Cup's going to break some records this year if, uh, if he stays healthy, knock on wood. Uh, and then that defense, I mean, geez, I mean, they can't really, they've struggled stopping the run, but holy cow, they've got Leonard Floyd, 
Von Miller and Aaron Donald on that line, three guys who are top 20 in pressures in the NFL. So that's that. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, not much you can say about him. He's just going to always lock down their best guy. He's a dog. I am so looking forward to the A.J. Brown and Jalen Ramsey matchup. I don't don't know if Ramsey's going to shadow him, though, because of Julio. I mean, he'll shadow. I'd like to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who, uh, if he shadows AJ or if he kind of guards both and how they do against him and how he does against them. And like all the trash talk between him and Julio or AJ or whatever. Because Jalen likes, likes to talk his trash. <laughs> I think they're the clear cut favorite to win the NFC. I-, I picked them to win the Super Bowl, and this just makes my pick very much not locked but almost to a point of a lock. If Von Miller could be 70% of what he was, and if this and if this offense can continue to excel, I mean, if this Stafford and Cooper Cup and Woods and Jefferson and the running game with Henderson keeps going, and if their secondary and if their run defense could be a little bit better, then I don't see why they wouldn't win. I would say if I had to make my NFC rankings right now, it'd be Rams – Bucks, and Cowboys, Cardinals, and then Pat. No, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, Packers. If Aaron's help, uh, Aaron's. We'll talk about him in a second. <laughs> Cardinals. That's my list. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, the Rams that, are the clear-cut favorite. I don't see any problem where they don't. Go far. The only thing I'll say is this. This is Matt Stafford's best chance to win a ring, and this is the farthest he'll probably go this year. So I don't know. I still have questions about him. Deeper they go, but Mm -hmm. I think if their defense – with if Von Miller could still cause havoc, he doesn't have to be that 2015 Denver, Denver Von Miller where he won MVP in the Super Bowl, but if he could still wreak havoc, him, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, the corner. Then I don't see one, no, any reason why they wouldn't win the Super Bowl in SoFi. So I think they're the clear-cut favorite to win the NFC. Yeah, the NFC, when you look at it, there's about five teams, and then you have the Saints who unfortunately lost Jameis Winston. And they're, they have a stick defense. If they can keep it up, they can be in that kind of mix. Yeah. But then you have the seventh slot, which is just going to be filled in with a team like the Panthers, Vikings, Niners, Seahawks, maybe like they're the NFC is very top heavy, so it's going to be much harder for the Rams to get out of the NFC. Maybe if they're in the AFC, I'd say they were like they would probably be minus odds to make the Super Bowl at this point. But in the NFC, there's five teams that are all, in my opinion, Super Bowl contenders. And you look at the Packers; they might they're probably gonna, I mean they might even win this week. You never know, but. They're probably going to lose this week without Rodgers, so they're going to drop from the one seed. Then you have the Cardinals, who play the Rams again this year. I think the Rams win that second matchup. Hard to beat, hard to beat a team twice. Rams trending up. Uh, and then the Cowboys, no one really saw this. I mean, everyone thought they'd be a good team and win the division. I don't think anyone saw them being a 6-1 and one team. That's really fine <laughs> for a Super Bowl. <laughs> their, their defense kind of went from the worst, maybe, of all. Like, they had one of the worst defenses of all time last year. To a defense that hasn't been top 10 this year, but it's been respectable. It's been right in the middle of the pack. They, win, the, they win games Trayvon on offense. Diggs. They win games on offense, but their defense just has to hold up enough to where Dak doesn't have to throw 50 times a game. And that's what's kind of happened. 
the Bucks, you know, they're still the Bucks. They have Tom Brady. They have that defense that are just full of dogs. They haven't been playing great this year, the defense, but, you know, when it gets cold out and offenses slow down, you want a defense like that with Vita Vea and Levante David, Devin White, and then Sean Murphy bunting in the secondary, all that. And then the Cardinals are the top-rated defense in the league right now, I believe, or one They're of them. They're number four. If they can keep that up. The with, Bills yeah, are, without, the Bills without the J.J. Watt, it's going to be a struggle, but they – they still have playmakers on offense on both sides of the ball. It's going to be interesting in the NFC. The AFC is kind of wide open. I think the AFC as a whole is better than the NFC, but I think the NFC just has a better top five. But if you look at the AFC, you're going to have teams like the Browns or Chiefs or maybe even like the Patriots or Chargers, maybe even like miss out in the playoffs. And it's just a bunch of good teams. They're so inconsistent in the AFC. Uh, but kind of everyone's picking the AFC right now seems to be the Bills because I guess everyone loves the Bills, but I mean, the Titans beat them. And the Bills have kind of had a cakewalk on the schedule. I had, before the season, I had the Rams and the Browns in the Super Bowl. So I I, will see how Baker does. You know what? I want to talk about this topic right now, actually. Let's get this out of the way. So so, we'll segue into my AFC pick, the Cleveland Browns. Now with with Odell Beckham Jr. being released – now, you, we were texting before we went on air, and you had some problems with my tweets about praising Baker and trolling Odell Beckham Jr. Not trolling. You were trashing Odell Beckham Jr., and I don't stand for that. I'm not – and you're making me sound like an Odell Beckham Jr. stan or big fan. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't care less about OBJ. He's not like – he's not one of my favorite players in the league. He's not – I don't like – MB OBJ. I don't watch his highlights all the time. I can't stand for disrespect. I don't know why Baker's getting love and OBJ's not on your end. Okay, so let me OBJ's explain my more than Baker has. Let me explain my point of view. First of all, I think. I, first of all, I think that OB Odell's a very talented receiver. I'm not questioning his talent, and he made. And I don't question him as a person. I feel like he's a very nice guy. And I take nothing away from the catch he made against the Cowboys, which which was 2014 on a Sunday night game. I'll give you this. That was the greatest catch I've ever seen. That's probably the greatest catch in NFL history. I take nothing yeah. away from that. And he's had some good years after that. But Baker made – this is why I didn't you know, think right. – He didn't just have some good years after that. He had he's some had some great – a few great years. Unbelievable best receiver in the NFL type years. Some, super, some but, Pro Bowl years, some all three but, years. Which get, which leads to Baker Mayfield. He before, people forget people only focus on the now, but but his rookie year when Ty when they benched Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield was the rookie of the year. He threw like twenty seven touchdowns to thirteen interceptions. So don't say that he's not that he's that he's just not a scrub to anybody. He's a good quarterback. He's not an amazing quarterback. He's not in the level of of um, Mahomes or Brady or Rodgers, but I, I, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Let me tell you this about Baker Mayfield, and this is no coincidence. As great as great of a talent as Odell was, Baker loved Odell. He loved him off the field. They were they were friends. Baker was young. He he talked about how much he liked have, loved having OBJ on the team. He force yeah, fed him that. He force fed him 
the first full year to a point where he tried to force feed him. And the point was his numbers did struggle, not because of Odell. It wasn't all his fault. Their all line that year was banged up. And Baker had four different coordinate coaches, coordinators that year, if I don't remember. So, I mean, he's, so it's not all Odell's fault. But the thing was, it was no coincidence that that when Odell went out last year, I'm going to knock on wood for Odell. I don't wish injuries upon anybody. But Baker Mayfield during that stretch, he had 20 touchdowns to three interceptions without OBJ. And PFF, you love PFF as well. PFF ranked him during that time frame when they went 8-3 and three without Odell as the fourth-ranked quarterback behind uh, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. So he can play. And you saw what happened in the playoffs last year. They won a game in which their head coach had COVID and their O-line was banged up. And they won a road playoff game against the Steelers. And Baker Mayfield had the best QBR. He had a QBR of 91 that game. So Baker Mayfield can play with other receivers. He loves spreading it around, not to just force feed it to Odell. He has guys like Pe- like Jarvis Landry, Peoples-Jones, Higgins, and Joku, Hooper. Those are his guys. And when o- with o- he doesn't have to rely on Odell – because Odell, I feel like, in my point of view, I feel like he values more of the big plays, the highlights, more than he does just – I mean, I don't. this is kind of subtle. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. But there was a mic'd up. I mean, do you watch mic'd up? Yeah, I watch it every week. So there was a mic'd up segment with Nick Chubb and um, Odell. And, and Odell – and Odell said, am I going to score touchdowns? Nick Chubb said, I just want to win. So I feel like Odell values more of the spotlight, more of the receptions, more than he does just, I feel like, winning that game. And I feel like ba- there was one play where Baker threw it right on the money to Odell and he dropped it. So I think psychologically from this year, people say, oh, look at the YouTube video with Baker and Odell. I feel like Baker missed target Odell. My theory was because Baker psychologically knew that him and Odell weren't the best fit. He had to force feed him, and it got to him so to a point. He threw it off target. What? He threw it off target because he didn't think they worked well together. No, he no because I think he he would just he was just nervous about throwing it to Odell. I feel like. And I just feel that Baker Mayfield works better without them. I mean, I told you the numbers last year. There was no coincidence. When Odell went out, Baker played unbelievable. And the Browns were a Chad Henney run away from beating the Chiefs and going to the AFC title game last year. So don't tell me Baker Mayfield. Chad Henney, not Patrick Mahomes. The point was they were this close to making the AFC title game last year. So don't say that Baker Mayfield is the scapegoat for Odell Beckham Jr.'s problems, okay? Odell never wanted to be in Cleveland. Odell is a big city guy. He had a great New York. He belongs better in a big city like Las Vegas. I said that would be the perfect fit for him, in my opinion. He and I think Baker can go. Odell can go on with his thing with the with the Raiders, and Baker could go could go on with his thing in the Browns. So I think this was a divorce that was in the midst, waiting to happen. 
And I think it's the best side for both parties. And now Baker can go on and prove people wrong. Now the floor is yours. I mean, I I don't – I think you might have taken what I've said the wrong way, but I don't – I'm not blaming Baker Mayfield. I don't – I think you have it wrong where you're blaming kind of OBJ. I'm not blaming anyone other than the fact that they just – I agree they did not work together, but I don't think it was because of Odell's mindset. I don't think it was because of Baker's mindset. I think it was because their offense, the way they function, isn't how an Odell Beckham Jr. receiver functions. It's, it's how a Jarvis Landry does, like a like a PPR guy who's going to get receptions, at, at a, like who's going to get a lot of receptions, but not mainly beat people over the top like OBJ does. And he beats people over the top, and he does it very well. But the Browns' offense, they get the ball off quick. They do play action. Right. They don't have a lot of time for Baker to sit there and then launch it downfield. No. Baker has a great arm, but he's not a great deep ball thrower. But I agree. I gave you that. But they, he did have that deep so ball throw against the Cardinals, that Hail Mary. But go on. Well, I mean, it's, I, yeah, he's a good arm, but like Hail Mary's kind of luck. I, but, I, um, I think if you – I mean, one thing you said is that he had one good catch, and that's – kind of made him all of his money and <laughs> not what I has turned him into a diva. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I'm not going to read our text, but when you first texted me, something that pissed me off was when you said I he feel got like he one does... catch that got him famous and got him a lot of money, and that was the worst thing. That You're sharing our private combo on, on I'm air. not saying it. I'm not saying it, but he he not only had that catch as rookie year, but he also had 90 other catches with 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. He won rookie of the year, and those are also, those are all pro numbers that you're putting up a receiver. I, I just said he's a talented Giants receiver. With Eli Manning. I've said he's a talented but, receiver. But, yeah, but then you, but you also said he didn't have. You said he had a couple good years, couple solid.